Broadcasting from another dimension. Deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest. Sending you secrets from the future directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> That's right, everybody. It's the Ghost Shrimp and Friends Podcast, episode 26. Um, the delayed episode. Very, very sorry that it's taken an extra week to get this episode out. Um, today is my last day of antibiotics of uh, having bronchitis and a sinus infection. Um, wasn't the most fun week I've ever had. Lots of resting. Um, you can still hear I'm a little rough. Actually, a couple of the I, I just did a few passes on this intro and kept fucking it up. So that's why I'm a little hoarse already. But uh, that's okay. Because we like to get it right. You know what I'm saying? And this is a very special episode. <coughs> I've been waiting to do this episode. And uh, the guest today is one of my best friends in the world. Uh, and his name is Tight Jeans Mocklinson. And uh, he is one of the Ghost Scout Elder Gods, one of the original Ghost Scouts. He was a Ghost Scout before there were Ghost Scouts, okay? He was at the Ghost Scout Summits before there was a Ghost Scout training camp. He's one of very, very few people who uh, really were at the beginning of this thing and know all about it. Um and uh and and before that we met at school when we went to college uh at Pratt together in Brooklyn and uh we we were sweet mates um we're going to get into that i'm sure as well as lots of other stuff i've had so many experiences with this dude uh we've taken lots of drugs together we've gone on lots of adventures together uh camping trips together um, just all kinds of stuff. I've been to the brink and beyond over the, you know, path through the doors of, of reality, uh, and out into the abyss with this man we've seen into each other's souls. Um, and, uh, and I liked what I've seen. Uh, I've liked it very much. And so, uh, this should be a very exciting podcast. One of many, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, everything in this podcast, of course, is alleged, allegedly, uh, because, uh, you know what I'm saying? Nobody knows, nobody knows the truth. Uh, about anything, really. That's what I tell my son all the time. I say, you know, people have ideas about things, but nobody really knows anything about anything. So you really get to decide for yourself, which is great. Um, so, uh, yes, the content of this podcast is, of course, alleged. Uh, it's an alleged football filled with motherfucking tuna. It's a fucking baseball filled with tuna. And um, lots of stuff is gonna is gonna be talked about, 
Um, let's see what else. Very exciting is going to be the debut of the little jingle that AWOL1 made for this podcast. You know what I'm saying? My homie AWOL1 is a fan of the podcast. Big shout-outs to my man. And uh, he reached out and said he wanted to make a little music for the pod, and it's dope. So we're going to fit it in um, between the intro and the and the, and the the guests on the pod, um, which will be really fun. I think it's going to be a great addition to the podcast. <coughs> so uh, that will be the debut. So two very fun things happening on the podcast today and uh of course we got our shush shout outs um we got some new contributors to the podcast on patreon which is much appreciated if you like this podcast better yet if you love this podcast make sure you show some love on patreon it really helps me keep it up and running and powerful, you know what I'm saying? It makes it easy to really spend my time doing it um, if I get a little compensation for it. And uh, we've got a goal that we're working towards this year of getting 100 patrons on Patreon. And we're on track with that. I think we're up to about 27. And it's March, so uh, let's keep it rolling. You know what I'm saying? We're looking to get two a week or eight a month, something like that. Um, supposedly that will keep us on track to have a hundred patrons by the end of the year. And then we're going to unlock some exclusive content, uh, some cool Patreon exclusives. So go over there to check it out. Patreon slash ghost shrimp. Um, so, uh, let's see. We got, of course, the $1 contributors. Big, big, big shout out to you. Um, every dollar is appreciated. And some of you have been on there since the beginning, really holding it down. Much, much, much appreciated. Um, and then, of course, if you contribute at the $2 beef stew. Oh, my God. I just burped. That tasted like beef stew. Um, the, the beef stew level, you get yourself a juicy old shout out, uh, $2 or more, I should say, because some people go on there and they're so crazy. They type in their own amount. You know what I'm saying? Like Sarah ball, like, like how I say Sarah ball coming out of the 12 week online group workshop. You know what I'm saying? Throwing down $5 per podcast. Incredible. Um, and uh big beef stew shout out to Sarah. We got a shout out going to Yvonne Santiago uh, at the five dollar per podcast level. So meaty. The chunks of beef stew are just outrageously large. Don't choke on that because you're getting you're getting a freaking you're getting a heaping bowl. Uh, we got a three dollar per podcast contribution coming from Zeta. Um, much appreciated. <coughs> Sorry about the coughing that will no doubt ensue. I've already blown out my voice. Um, we've got a couple new contributors here. We've got Michael Broncado. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, we've got a big bowl of beef stew going to Wastezoid. That's a badass name. Wastezoid. Probably if you Google that, something fucking badass comes up. Like a guy eating beef stew with fucking 
something with fucking insects in it. Um, we've got a big shout out going to my man Anthony Scott. Um, going out. Uh, that's a that's a bowl of vegan beef stew right there. Uh, we've got a big beef stew. Shout out to Andy Ristino, the Adventure Time homie, and of course uh, has an episode on this very podcast. Go check it out. Uh, we've got a big shout out going to Lermy, aka Ghost Scout Computer Person, uh, representing up in here. Uh, that's another vegan beef stew as well. Uh, big shout out to Shambe Wright. Um, beef stew shout out going to Shambe. Shambe, Shambe, Shambe. Love to say that name. Uh, big shout out going to Otto Heaney Illustration over there in Burlington. Check him out. He's doing stuff. I think he's got a Patreon as well. So check that out. Um, We've got a big shout-out going to Michael Garcia. Michael Garcia later. That's a that's not his name, but that's an extra one. So um let's see. We got a big shout-out going to my man Daniel Foothead. The best last name in the world other than mine. Daniel Foothead. Uh I wonder if you could say Daniel Foothead. No, I know it's Foothead because he is also Ghost Scout Sports Magic. And he's coming to be a resident this year. So I'm going to get to spend a lot of time with him. Check his shit out. He is a dope-ass animator, Dr. D. Foothead. Uh, definitely worth a Google. Um, We got another shout-out going to my homie Alexi Giroux in Canada. Right out the outline right right out the online group workshop. Uh, we've got a shout out going to the homie Jesse Moynihan from Adventure Time and Forming. I support his podcast on here. I mean his uh his comic book. His comic, oh man, am I already brain dead before this podcast even started? Um, uh, his his comic called Forming. Check out Jesse Boyd, my favorite comic. Um, check out. Uh, oh, we got um, the reigning, defending, training camp camp champion John Mansfield, aka Beard Lips. Uh, representing hard that, you know, that's a bowl of vegan beef stew right there. That's a meaty bowl of vegan beef stew. Extra Satan for my man Mansfield. <coughs> All right. We got, uh, none other than the director of the Kung Fu Panda and the Little Prince, Mark Osborne. Uh, we've got a big shout out going to Bark the Dog. You know, that's non-vegan beef stew right there because Bark don't eat no not meat. Okay, that's B-A-R-C and you better check it out because Bark's taking over the world this year of the dog. You know what I'm saying? Sniffing some buttholes. Uh, big shout out to Arguably Art. Going out there in the world. 
Uh, big shout out to Tryman Hunt over there in Denmark. And last but not least, big shout out to Jesse Kukaka Donnie. Representing since the beginning of the Patreon page. I love it. Thank you all very much. You're keeping the podcast rolling striggity strong. And uh, all right, so we're going to jump into this and uh, we're going to kick it over to my man, A Wall One. All right, here we are once again with a very special guest, one of my best friends in the world. Tight Jeans Mocklinson. How's it going, Dan? Welcome, Glad to be here. Welcome to the Ghost Shrimp and Friends podcast, right where you belong. Yes, feels good. Yeah. Feels good to be on. One of my very good friends. Uh, and we'll just say right up front, of course, everybody that knows Tight Jeans Mocklinson knows that he is in his rocking chair right now, rocking away. Uh, he's, he, he switched from the squeaky rocking chair to the stealth rocking chair. So we, hopefully the, it won't <laughs> pick up on the podcast, but if you can somehow hear the motion, uh, that's what it is. Always got to have the motion. Yeah. The motion is crucial. What does it do for you to be in the rocking chair? Cause this is definitely one of your signature, uh, when you're, when you're at home, when you're relaxing, you always have the rocking chair. What is it about the rocking chair that you love so much? Well, the first thing it does is tightens your abs. So yes, the abs are instant, crucial. That is instant ab workout. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone mm-hmm. else is sitting on a couch stationary, I'm in constant motion, working on my abs, crunching, crunching away, you know? That's, what, then, per, that's what propels it, is just your abs. The clinching yeah. and unclinching is what rocks the chair back and forth. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, you know, for me, it steadies the mind. Yeah. So being in motion just allows me to actually think. Yeah. So that's the other, that's the comforting part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a good, like, ADHD tool. Yeah, I mean, I don't even have ADHD. I maybe just have like rapid firing. My brain is constantly going. Yeah, you know, just constantly a, thinking. Just a fucking genius. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I just work really, really hard, overwork to get what I want. Yeah, and that's. I'm more like a woodpecker than a yeah. genius. You know, mm. just keep pecking away mm. till till you you get that hole. <laughs> all right all right i love it insight insight right off the bat deep insights right off the bat pecking away till you get that hole um so uh we are friends we met at uh college at pratt in brooklyn and we were sweet mates which means that we shared a bathroom our two dorm rooms were connected by a bathroom 
Yes, that was a magnificent bathroom. <laughs> we really did dug it out. I definitely want to get to the bathroom itself. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and so that, that was very serendipitous that we ended up being sweet mates because that set our friendship up right off the bat. And I can remember, um, I think we probably like a, maybe saw, I, I don't know if we knew that we were already sweet mates when we were out at that orientation on the lawn, but I can very remember vividly sitting there uh, on the lawn and we were like listening to some kind of orientation thing or whatever. And I remember I looked over at you and I was just like, yo, do you smoke weed? And that was the, <laughs> that was the first thing I ever said to you in my mind. Uh, and, uh, uh, cause you know, I, I had, uh, of course, be a very heavy pot smoker. I brought, I brought two ounces of weed with me to Brooklyn and I was very keen on, uh, you know, finding someone to smoke weed with all the time. And, uh, and, and I think that's really, uh, how our friendship started. Yeah. Allegedly, I allegedly, mean, allegedly, let's say. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was an amazing first night meeting you if yeah. you remember walking around the streets of brooklyn getting to know our neighborhood yeah oh so so that was the night we went on a walk to smoke a blunt that night yes and i think that was the night where again i remember this very clearly <laughs> where we rolled a blunt we went out there and we're smoking it and then it's like you know we're halfway through or whatever and you're like you were like yo man i think it's down to the tobacco and i was like dude there's no tobacco in this it's a blunt bro and you're like oh shit <laughs> yes had you never smoked like a blunt before or what like did you guys like do what what was that from ah uh, you put a little tobacco in the end so you you don't waste any of it right. you know I gotcha. so oh, I gotcha. you know I gotcha. when it's done so you're I not gotcha. like i got gotcha. you yeah that's yeah. the fil- that's the philly style yeah, as to conserve, you know. Yeah, I like it. And also, I didn't really do that much, yeah, you know. So. Yeah. But do you remember O-Dog? Do you remember that guy? Sort of. It sounds familiar. What Remind me. So it was our first night in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and we're walking around the streets of Brooklyn. We had no idea. Two white dudes from the suburbs. Yep. And this guy rolled up on a bike, and he's like, what's that smell? He's like, oh, I smell weed. He's like, my name's O-Dog. You need any? Here's my number. And then he like rode away on his bike. And I was like, oh, my, did that just happen? Like, like I felt like it was straight out of a movie. Yeah. And did we call him up? Did we hit him up? No, no. No. Damn. Man. Opportunities missed with O-Dog. Yeah. I think we were just like, whoa, what, 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 what happened? At least that <laughs> yeah, I used to do that walk all the time. I did we go and like sit in a little parking lot? I might, I might oh, have yes. not. Yeah, we did. That was the night we discovered it. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, I would always go and make that. I would do that walk, which is really weird. It seems like weird that we could just smoke a fat blunt walking around the streets there, but that's totally what we did. I don't know if you could do that now because it's like really the areas changed a lot, but. uh I would walk around like every day and just fucking smoke blunts and like sit in that fucking little parking lot and like I'd like roll it up there or whatever and then just fucking or sit there and finish it. I forget exactly what the protocol was, but uh, there was definitely a routine involved. Now it's going to be legal, so it's not so stigmatized. I mean, that was just straight up illegal. 
You know? Right. No, it's definitely Back highly then. illegal and just highly inflammatory to just be blowing a loud blunt. Like that's like one of the loudest ways you can smoke pretty much. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, remarkably uh, little. I got in remarkably little trouble, really none in the city, which is pretty cool. Yep. Except for when you were tagging, if you remember that story. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell that story? <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, you'd probably tell it better. I remember just I was always just looking out like we're going to get in trouble for something because right. I'm just kind of nervous like that. You yeah, know? I don't think that I ever I don't think I've told the story on the podcast. I had a very short lived career <laughs> graffiti career at writing Roach allegedly <laughs> allegedly allegedly uh, and you allegedly wrote Grolsch for a minute. Right. Yep. Yep. One minute. <laughs> Literally one minute. Um and uh and 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 we were down in the subway at the subway at the subway stop there by Pratt and uh I threw up a tag on the wall and this big dude across the tracks you know on the opposite side was like yo you fucking tagged my van right like he says something like that and i was oh, like yeah. and and i was like and i really hadn't cuz i never tagged any like personal property like that and uh and i was like no man i never tagged your van like you know like yelling back and then he's like and then i forget there's some back and forth and then he's like so if i come over there and that's your tag i'm gonna fucking kill you and we're like oh (laughs) shit and then he started to just walk up the steps like to come over and uh and remember his his girlfriend was like oh he gonna fucking kill you like i just remember she was totally escalating the situation and it was it first of all it was late at night this was on what we would call an ill mission where we would like just go out at like we would start it at like one in the morning basically or something like that we would like go out into the city and just like look for like crazy shit happening because in new york city like something crazy is always happening and um and uh and he starts to come over and i remember it was you me and raf and uh our our other buddy and and we all looked at each other and we were kind of like should we just fucking like book it and i was like no man like we can't just fucking i I don't know i just had a vision of like us running and just being caught and like beaten and i was like that's such a (laughs) bitch like that's such a bitch thing to do i was like no man we gotta just like i didn't tag this dude's van so like you know, I don't know. In my logic, I was just like, let's just see what happens. And so we just kind of stood there <laughs> and I, and I pretty much thought there was a good chance that the guy was going to try to hit me and he was a lot bigger than me, but I don't know. I just figured like, we'll just see what happens. And, um, but luckily he, he obviously didn't want that because we heard him starting to talk to the cops up stairs at the station. Um, so then he comes down with the cop, which is actually a super bitch move when you think about it. Like oh, it's yeah. much cooler to come confront cause he was way bigger than me too. Like, so it's pretty lame, uh, to bring the cops into it. And he, he brings the cops down and he's like, this guy just threw up this tag on the wall. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I remember I had like an echo pullover, really cool echo oh, yeah. pullover, echo pullover jacket on. And I had like a fat ass marker in the front pouch. And he was like, you know, he was like, this kid just threw up that tag. And the cop was like, did you just do that? And I was like, no, uh, <laughs> of course. Cause like, whatever, you know, I was very like, very cool talking to the cops. Cause I did that a lot of that as a teenager. And, um, and, uh, and the guy, I just remember the guy being super mad and the cop was like pretty just like blase about it. He was just like, he clearly didn't want to be involved in it and didn't really no. give a fuck. And, and the cop was just like, dude, like I, you know, he said he didn't do the tag. So I'm, I'm not going to search him. I can't do anything. 
And because the guy was like, search him, man, search him. Like, blah, blah. Like, he tagged my van. And he was like, do you tag his van? I was like, no, I'd never tag. I've never tagged any personal property and, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and so the cop was like, well, yep, just, you know, uh, whatever. And, and I remember the guy like went away kind of cursing and whatever. He went back. And then I think the cop maybe told us afterwards, like, don't do anything. Like, don't fucking do shit. Like, sort of like, <laughs> I let you off. Like, don't go fuck around or whatever. And then, uh, that was kind of the end of it but it was definitely a very tense moment like for a minute it seemed like there was a serious beat down coming my way well uh, that was the beginning you i remember the cop was like do you have a marker in your pocket and you you pulled out your pockets or you just put your hands in your pockets you're like no i got no marker and yeah. it's in your pouch like okay. you're talking about yeah and then that was the beginning of the ill mission night right right you know like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, was the like, beginning. And then we found that crazy old fire extinguisher that yes. night, right? We found this like 40 pound, like super like fire extinguisher from like the fucking 1800s. And I was like chasing you guys through the subway stations, like spraying it at you guys. It still had like, yes. still had shit in it. And uh, I feel, did we see like a bar fight that night or something or a fight outside yep. of a bar or something like that? Bar fight. I mean, spraying spraying the fire extinguisher in the subway. This is before nine eleven, so you could probably do that and be okay. If you did that now, you would be like taken out, you know? Yeah. Like immediately. <coughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What year? This was our was this our freshman year? Do you think? Oh yeah, it must have been right. Yeah. So this was freshman year. So this was this was was it ninety nine? This was like this the fall of two thousand ninety nine or whatever. Yep. The fall, the fall of 1999. What did I just say? 2099? <laughs> My brain's not quite with it yet. Yeah, 1999. 1999. That sounds like a long time ago now. It kind of is. We've been out of school for a long time. Yes, yeah, sir. That's pretty Real wild. Real long time. That's pretty wild. So, yeah, we did a few of those ill missions, uh, which were very fun. That's one of the uh, – New York City is probably the best place to do stuff like that because, yeah, you pop out of the subway. You can just kind of ride the subway around all night because it goes all night. And, uh, you know, if you're going into Manhattan or something, anywhere around there, there's always going to be some crazy-ass shit going on. It's pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, so much energy. I love New York City. Did you have any close counters other than that in the city when you lived there? Because um, you lived there for a lot longer, too. I left after school, but you lived there for quite a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the craziest times were around Pratt, around the school. Yeah. Uh, around that neighborhood. Yeah, it used to be a lot shadier back in the day. Now it's like everybody just considers it super safe because i was thinking like man are people just walking around with their cell phones out there like aren't there people because i remember people would get their cameras snatched i remember there was some girl who just got knocked out and they took her camera um i remember fucking someone got robbed for their chain right outside of our dorm at gunpoint there was a lot of that stuff yeah on. someone eventually got stabbed in the alibi bathroom at that <laughs> yeah, thursday yeah. night that we yes, used to go to yes, all the time the yeah, I mean, the alibi got heated because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember getting maced in the face there. Did he really? Fight. Yeah, a fight broke out in the bar. Yeah. Two women and just like I had like just sprinkles of mace in my face. You know, like she wasn't going for me. It was just in the air. Oh, oh one of like, the girls broke out the mace? Yeah, she broke it out. And it was just boom right there. Wow. When they started throwing uh, bricks over the 
you know, into the outside area. <laughs> yeah, that was the first night that we ever went there, right? <laughs> yeah. So this was a bar that was near, uh, that was right near Pratt, and uh, and they would just let you in with your school ID. They would pretend to look at your license, but it was just your college ID, and it didn't have any birth date on it, and they'd let you in. So we were like, you know, 18 or whatever, and they would let us in. Pretty much a lot of bars in Brooklyn at that point would let you in if you're 18. In Manhattan, not so much. But uh, but we would go to this one place, and it was it was six dollars all you could drink on Thursday. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. So six dollars all you can drink. So you can imagine the fucking the the chaos that ensued, and it was just a bunch of fucking like white college girls, and then just like all these fucking neighborhood people, and like just a total mashup of people in there, and it was just a wild like cocktail of insanity in Brooklyn. And um, and they had a backyard. So every Thursday night, it would be just literally shoulder to shoulder with drunk ass people. Um, and uh, and they had a backyard and that would get packed. And, you know, I don't know how late what were bars open till like 2 a.m. or something. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be like really late at night and this would be, you know, Thursday night. So it's a work night. <laughs> and, and and when you looked up from like the courtyard, from the backyard of this place, it was literally walled in with apartment buildings. So like people live around this place and it's it must have been the most annoying thing. And uh, and we were I remember I was sitting on the back wall um, of the of the outdoor or area and it was packed with people and it was probably one in the morning or whatever and then you just hear whoosh, 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 like a fucking glass bottle starting to get thrown into the crowd from like people's balconies and just like smashing on people's heads and them like screaming and, like ah! it was like a it became like a war zone like oh, like in an instant and fucking everybody like stampeded inside and I was just sitting with my back to the back wall so I was fine and I was just like oh shit this is awesome. Like, I was like, this is insane. Yeah, it's wild. Wild were, were times. Were you sitting next to me? No, I was inside. You were I must inside. have been, I was probably getting a refill. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, I saw people starting to pour through the Yeah, no, I door saw like someone blood. get hit in the head yeah. with a glass bottle, like in the face, like just boom, like out of nowhere. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I saw the aftermath, you know, I was trying to get back outside and people were coming in with bloody faces and i'm like all right i'm out yeah. night's over yeah oh my god and then are the infamous chicken taco beef taco night like we would be posted up on this kind of wall in between the bar area and the outside area and uh and 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 all night you and me would we, we would play these we love to play these little like psychological games with each other and then with like other people and uh and and as someone would like would like inch by us because it was shoulder to shoulder <laughs> and you're like almost kissing the person you just be like yo bro chicken taco or beef taco and they'd be like mm, chicken taco and then like we started this thing where then later on in the night we'd be like beef taco we'd like yell it out in the bar and then someone would be like fuck that chicken taco and they'd be like <laughs> beef taco and like this whole like fucking chicken taco beef taco culture like yeah. rose in the bar that night and then um and that's funny because i worked that into uh these adventure time backgrounds that i did uh like a couple of years ago and i've got i've got a background that i gotta give you because it's it's hilarious there's like chicken taco and beef taco posters up like in this maze oh man like, throughout this maze so it even made it into the adventure time like lore <laughs> 
of like the the mystery of the chicken taco beef taco night so there's a lot of very classic times in the alibi but well uh, i don't know if you remember but to add on to that story i think <laughs> when we were doing chicken taco beef taco that's where we met some woman who's maybe a couple years older than us oh shit and she had us she wanted us to pay us to come <laughs> oh, over to our God. apartment and that's clean out her apartment that's right and we went there. Yeah, we went there. And like it was for lunch. Like yeah. that's what she paid us, like with a sandwich. Right. From like, you know, fucking Myrtle Avenue or whatever. Right. And she had like boxes of pictures of herself that were like naked and wanted us to go through them. And we were like, uh, okay. And it was so weird. And then she ended up dating that other that dude, right? I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. Yeah, what was that dude's name that you were uh, you were roommates with him later on? He was like a funny kind of goofy skater guy, kind of a big dude. Uh, and I think they went out later on, or maybe really? I'm mixing it up. Maybe I'm mixing it up. Maybe I'm combining. I don't know. I, actually, I think I'm combining <laughs> one of his girlfriends with this lady in my mind. My memories are like super hazy. Yeah, I don't remember. I just remember that was like. She was like, oh, you want to come clean your clean my apartment? It was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and we were like – she said, tomorrow? We we're like, oh, okay. And then we actually – you're like, we have to do it. We said we were going to do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely like to get into weird situations. <laughs> yeah, that got weird. Yeah. That's but hilarious. Harmless. Yeah, I, saw, I, I remember the weirdness of it. I didn't remember the specifics of it. That's awesome. And then, yeah, we had a ritual where pretty much every night uh, in our in our little suite there, we would get 40s and fucking just uh, drink 40s every night pretty much, allegedly, right? Allegedly, yeah. Because later on, that came in later on, like, you almost got in trouble for fucking drinking in the dorm or whatever because we weren't supposed to because we were, like, underage or whatever. And you had like the genius well, that, thing. Didn't you had to go like on trial at school and then you like did this thing this whole thing where you brought in these still lives of like forty bottles and you're like, I was using these for my still life drawings and you like got <laughs> off. It was like it was like a great like epic court battle. Well, it was a we didn't really get in trouble. Well, we did get in trouble for the forty bottles. Yeah. You know, that's what what like you tell the story, but yeah. it was because my roommate was pissed at me. Right. I remember because that part. I, iced him out and right. I didn't really like him. Right, I and remember so that. He told his fraternity brother who was the Oh, who was RA. It was our RA. The RA. RA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And I was like, Are you serious? Yeah. Like he my you know, he drank in there too. It didn't yeah, matter. He was kind of the odd man out there. He was. <clears throat> so when I when I went on my trial, yeah. I actually had drawings of forties forty bottles because we had to draw glass, you know, in foundation near. Yeah, and there and was so, a, there was another time where we we thought a hundred percent we were getting kicked out of the dorm. We, uh, we were told we were told that we were going to be kicked out of the dorm for this. You t- tell the story. Oh man, well I guess it was uh, they were passing out condoms um, on campus, and so I took a couple and I thought it would be hilarious if I filled them with water. Yes, and so I had giant water balloons and. Yes. That's where you came in. You're like, "What are you doing? This is awesome!" <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I was like, "We were like, it was filled. The whole sink had filled yeah. up with the with the condom with the water in it. Like, like condoms can hold an incredible amount of water." Yes, 
incredible. They're like five so, gallons, like ridiculous right. amount. And so, <laughs> so I just wanted to throw it out of the window, but not hit anyone. Right. You know, cause we had a bus stop right in front of our <laughs> window. And so I filled mine up, you filled one up that was even larger than the one that I filled up. And we had these giant windows that opened and there was a bunch of people about to get on the bus. <laughs> and so stupid. You, so stupid. It was you, man. Know, you it was were all like, me. I can remember you it like, so clearly. I'm going to throw it now. And you <laughs> threw it at people. It splashed on them. And then I pulled back with my giant balloon and it popped all over me. So there's yes. water everywhere. And I'm yes. drenched. It flew up all over you. Yes. And then oh my God. you re- – you, well, then after that – we, we decided, ducked. We ducked. Well, we, we ducked, ducked because people were like yelling because we didn't hit anybody directly, but it like it blew up on the sidewalk and it was pretty. It was like within like ten feet, say, of the bus stop, and they were like mad. I actually went and I actually went and uh, and and spoke at Pratt last year. We walked <laughs> past this spot. I was trying to I was trying to figure it out how where it was. Like I, I was looking at it, and so we dropped it, and it splashed like it. Some people probably got some like some drops on them, like some splash. But it's like you know, in New York City, everybody's like, "What the fuck!" Like everybody's like super pissed, and they're all looking up, and we ducked right away, like, "Oh shit!" But we didn't shut the window, and then we like we peeked back over the edge, and then like there's people with one of the frat security guards like like looking up at us, right? Yeah, totally. And um, it was it was. We kept, we just kept ducking and we kept looking at the out the window. Yeah, you know? at that point we shut the window, but then well, like, we, we then we peeked open and looked at it too. You know, like we're, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> then just, and then we were like and then we were like we gotta go, we gotta hide in my room, and so we ran into my side of the room <laughs> and we went in there, and then we heard the security guard come up and knock on the door. And then, like, enter your room with a key, and then you're like, fuck, man, I got to go. This is my room. Like, I got to go. And it was, like, so obvious because your room was soaking wet because you had (laughs) dropped the other water balloon. Like, if you hadn't dropped the water balloon, we might have had some deniability. But we did deny it. You know, like, I I was drenched. There was water everywhere. And the the guy was like, you you threw the water balloon. And I was like, nope, didn't do it, you know? By that point, I was kind of hardened on just denying. Like it was right. just like, well, you and I me drew... both have like a real chip on our shoulder. We're like real feisty, like individuals, like that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But because we didn't want to get kicked out of the dorms, I yeah. mean that that was close. Right. I mean, we would have been. People did get kicked out. Yeah. And that seems like the protocol. It's like I always will deny anything to an authority figure. I'm like, no, definitely didn't do it. Like the matter, the matter of the evidence. Like I'm right there next to my tag. I'm like, I didn't do it. You know, you're yeah. like soaking wet. You're like, I didn't do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy times. And then, so yeah, this dude wrote us up, and then, uh, and then he was like, "You're getting kicked out of the dorm for sure." Like he said that. And then we fucking somehow never heard of it again. Like he must have fucking like the paperwork must have got lost. Like it was like total serendipity because. I think we would have 100% get kicked out of the dorms. And then I think for both of us, that would have meant that probably we would have had to leave school, right? Was that true for you? I'm, I'm sure I was, you know, skating on thin ice at yeah, that point. Yeah, I don't point. think my parents would have had money to put me in a, in a, uh, 
you know, I think that I was already, we were already maxed out just getting me to school. So I don't think I would have, I don't think my parents would have been able to pay for an apartment. So I think that probably would have been the end of my career at Pratt, which would have been very, who knows what, what that would have meant. I'm sure that security guard was laughing, but you know, as he walked out and he just didn't, he was like, maybe he didn't seem like it's it, a though. scare, he had kind scare of a, tactic. He kind of had a sourpuss like demeanor. Yeah, it's true. I remember worrying about that. I, I remember do. we were worried about it for a bit. For a bit, we were like, "Oh fuck! Like, what's gonna happen?" And we were waiting for like the shoe to drop, you know. Like, yeah. and of course, neither of us like told our parents or whatever. Oh, we're like, no. you know. And then it just nothing, just nothing ever happened, and we're like, "Oh shit! Like, I guess we're okay." Yep, that's pretty funny. But that was fucking. That was super classic. And then, what else do you remember? What else do you remember about uh, about freshman year and that and the dorm? Mm. I mean, I remember you using my soap. <laughs> the epic debate about the soap. Yeah, and, and I think it's, and I what think the it's, correct... open, it's still open for a discussion. <laughs> and like, what the correct way to wash your body with soap is? Well, you know, personal soap <laughs> and like, is soap always clean? I don't know if it's always clean. <laughs> I'm not certain, you know? Because I was like, dude, I don't put the soap on my body. And you're like, well, I do. And I'm like, right. well, that's gross, dude. But I'm like, but soap is still soap. It's clean still. And you were like, no, stop using my soap. And I was like, sometimes I'm going to use your soap, man. <laughs> and I would and just I do think... it. And we would have like a soap battle. I think I just really didn't want you to use my soap. So I was trying to come up with ideas that were like, it's gross. Like I'm doing gross things with the soap. Right. Because we then, used to like fuck with each other. So this was like part oh, yeah. of the thing of we used to love to play mind games with each other. So this was part of the mental mind game. This was part of the mental warfare that we waged on one another. Yeah. I mean, this is what solidified our friendship. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure if we knew if we were friends at that point. You know, we were like just kind of sniffing each other out still right kind of like right. you're like you know you took my camera flash and you would come in and just flash me till you burnt out my bowl <laughs> that's right that was awesome yeah there was like light wars going on yeah you had a yeah. camera flash and i would kind of flash you with it and then and then somehow you got in a you got in a thing with my roommate where i remember you would, <laughs> you would come in and flash him and then he would turn on these he had a spotlight under his bed that he would come in he had it ready for when you would come in he would shine the spotlight on you and then i remember just you guys i remember just you would come in and just you guys would be just at a standoff shining lights like right in each other's faces like all the time <laughs> that was yep. super awesome Shout out to Woody, my uh, my roommate. He was a cool dude. I wonder what he's up to now. I, you know, um, I I ran into him like I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I've speak. Yeah. I've I've talked to him since school. I just haven't talked to him now for a long time. From a long time. <coughs> yeah, Woody was cool. Woody was cool. He, he like he was into it. You know what I'm saying? Your roommate was like he was the odd man out because he was like I think he wanted to maybe be a part of things, but he just didn't get it. He was like a, just a real kind of square, like normal, like computer jock dude or whatever. I don't even know what he was, but he just didn't quite fit in. And uh, 
and and yeah, I think somehow he resented it. Well, I think it all came down to that one night where we like were we 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 got ecstasy and we took ecstasy allegedly, and like he wanted in on it, and we we're like, we'll give you some, dude, but we're not gonna do it with you because like he wasn't he just wasn't cool. Like we didn't want to do it with him, and then he got like super mad. And I remember, didn't we find like a video of him doing like a wicked crazy ecstasy confessional? Yeah. Yeah, oh we my did God. on my video camera. <laughs> on your video camera? Oh shit! Yeah. Oh yeah, we could. That's definitely fair game then, because on your video camera, that is insane. What was he thinking? I remember just how cool, weird, and embarrassing it was, and like how like uncomfortable it was. Like, <laughs> like a sweaty face, like yeah. super up close, like Blair Witch, like just like I don't even remember what he was saying, but some fucking crazy ecstasy shit, just like sweating. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and then and then that bathroom became like a museum of sorts, uh, where we started to collect things in the in the it was like a hallway with two sinks and like two mirrors that that connected our room. And then on your end it had the shower uh around the around the corner from the sink, and then on our end it had the toilet around the corner from the sink. Um, and that was the bathroom and you could like guess lock either door could you yeah you could wait could you lock the door or could you not lock the door i don't remember i think you couldn't lock the door because he was he was like banging that chick on the floor once we were like trying to get in but they were like in the way of the door or something like that's right on the dirty ass floor and then there was like there was like it was like her butt cheeks had like cleaned the floor large butt cheeks cheeks had like cleaned the floor from, from having sex there was like a clean spot of her butt cheeks on the floor it was so gross like that was the grimiest bathroom like the bathroom got mad grimy and like in the toilet room because the toilet obviously had a little door on it we would collect a lot of things like the fire extinguisher like we would go on our little funny missions and shit and we would do that. And then also we would tape all the empty toilet paper tubes to the ceiling. So there was like a honeycomb of toilet <laughs> paper tubes on the ceiling, which was kind of cool. And then there was some things in those. We would like put stuff in those little tubes. And then uh, I just remember there was like just endless shit in there. Like it was packed. We had a tire. We had a car <laughs> tire in there. And I remember it really bothered like, did it bother Woody or or just your roommate? It bothered somebody. They were really bothered oh, by it. I, I'm sure it bothered someone, but that was the whole point. We were trying to fill the smallest room <laughs> yeah, the with smallest. the most amount of stuff. Yes, yes it was the smallest space. <laughs> yeah, it was the smallest space of all time. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, you'd have to pack in there. You'd have to pack in there to, to go to the bathroom, and it was just full of so much shit. And they'd be like, "Dude, you guys got to get rid of some of this stuff." And be like, "No, man, this stuff's important. Like, we need this stuff, bro." Like, and we'd just be like yeah. super serious about it. It's yep. funny, you and me were just on the same wavelength, you know. And that we was were. just how it all worked, man. And then I would come in on you. There was a thing where I would come in on you having sex all the time and just start to talk to you. I'd be like, yo, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing? And I would just, like, eat some food and shit. And you'd be like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got me. And then you came in. Me and my girlfriend were having sex one time. And you came in. And I think you had the, I can't remember if you had the spotlight or not. I did. I had we the like, flash. I busted you. And I was like, yeah. okay. All right. Go now. And you're like, no, man. I'm good. Yep. Yeah, she pro- she probably didn't like that too much. <laughs> no, but that was definitely definitely fair game. Definitely fair game. Absolutely. Um, 
What else was the what? Do you remember any other sh- dorm room shenanigans in particular? No, I just remembered, you know, Tom the Bomb. We had posters. Oh, when Tom was like super wasted and and hiding behind your giant cabinet thing. (laughs) I can very clearly picture that. It looked like he was naked, but he must have had shorts on or something. Oh, that reminds me of when I tried to chug the, I bet you guys that I could chug a two liter bottle of soda without stopping. Oh, yeah. And like my idea was just that if I kept my mouth open, like it would let out the gas. But then as soon as I started to chug, I just put my mouth over it. So like my theory was like right out the window. <laughs> and then I immediately felt like you're you're just like you, you can feel your stomach filling up with the gas like really quick, like you're sucking on helium. And it was such a weird sensation. And then I didn't get very far. And then I had to like run into the bathroom because I thought for sure I would puke. And you have this on video. Do you still have that video? It's somewhere. I don't know where. Funny because we were so young. I was like so baby faced at this point. (laughs) That would be really, really funny to see. (laughs) I probably have it. I, you know, I'm I'm about to clear out a bunch of old stuff. So yeah, there's probably. I I feel like we used to we used to film a lot of stuff. Probably a lot of stuff just got filmed over and over and over again. I think I had a lot of footage. I think I saved it. I just have to find it. Yeah. Because we were really into Tom Green and yeah, Upright Citizens. Yeah, we were really Citizens into Brigade. Yeah, yeah. I used to tape Tom Green every week, and you used to tape Upright Citizens Brigade every week, and we used to watch them both. Yeah. Yeah, we Tape. had a lot of we had a lot of rituals. Uh, the forty drinking every night went on for a long, long time. I remember that. And I remember you had your little like hot plate in your room and you like fucking fry up like chicken and peppers every day. Oh, <laughs> you're, every like, day for lunch. a little hot plate, dude. <laughs> like yeah. so into rituals. Yep. Uh, that's super hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, I was trying to think of all the drugs that we took in that room. Uh, definitely ecstasy, allegedly ecstasy, allegedly cocaine, allegedly mushrooms, allegedly acid. Um, I think is that I think that's all I took. Uh, I know you, <laughs> you you allegedly took other things as well. No, I, that's that's all. You know, um, I allegedly didn't take any of that on the record. <laughs> for the allegedly on the record. <laughs> And uh, and the last time I ever took acid was in your room, and that's a wacky story. Do you want to tell that story? Oh no, I do not want to tell that. <laughs> do you story. want me to tell that story? Or do you want to save that story for a future time? Yeah, we might save that for a future time. <laughs> that's an intense story, and yeah. that was the last time I ever. It was so intense that we'll just say that it was so intense that I was left sitting in that room alone thinking that man i truly have lost i do not know what reality is anymore and i thought that you might burst back in that room and try to fight me and uh and that's when i said i think that i should stop taking acid now because i've completely lost perspective on what's (laughs) what's what's real or not and i didn't lose my mind i didn't i didn't bug out but i was like i was right at that point or because you had bugged out and i and and i was and then it was making me it was right I was right on that line of like just standing in the middle of outer space being like, What is happening right now? Is my best friend gonna come in and fight me? So it was truly incredible. Yes. One of my most cherished memories. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, what is reality, right? 
That's true. What is reality? And that's what I think is fun about taking psychedelic uh, drugs, right? Sure. Um, and that's a, one of the interesting time. things because I feel like you and me are both people that, as we talk about all these, you know, wacky, fun things, uh, you know, and, and seemingly purely recreational uh, activities. But I think that, you know, it's very interesting that you and me were both very interested in not only taking psychedelic drugs, but taking psychedelic drugs and then messing with each other on psychedelic drugs, like play, <laughs> playing mind games and trying to completely turn the person upside down, like trying to completely psych them out. Um, and, uh, which is really fun. And I think that it's, it's an interesting connection between that and the fact that you and me have both sort of gone on to really create our own realities in our, in our lives. And, and I think that there's a real connection between experimenting with psychedelic drugs and then being out in your life and, and being able to really switch gears on reality really fast, being able to sort of step outside reality and kind of formulate visions that other people can't maybe see because they've really stayed inside this one box of this is mainstream reality. I accept this as reality and I don't, I'm not curious outside of that. And so I'm thinking along this one track. So I, I one of the things I wanted to touch on in this, um, because you went to school for graphic um, for industrial design and then uh, ended up going into farming, organic farming, which is a complete, you know, 360. And then I ended up, you know, I mean, doing illustration, but I ended up, you know, really going into the woods and built and going on this whole homesteading quest. So, you know, and really and 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 really like manifesting a, a really tailor made reality for myself and you know and 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 you've done a lot of the same things with with where where with you are now. So like do you, have you ever thought about the connection between those things? Oh yeah. I mean absolutely. That's why I don't regret those things and that you know being a youth and experimenting with things and having crazy times and finding the people that challenge you. Yeah. Um I I still question what I'm doing all the time or just stand outside myself and and look at it at a different perspective like what life is yeah and and constantly work on things you know like I, i'm not really a static person right I'm, that's why i'm rocking all the time <laughs> i can I'm hear like, you yeah, definitely coming you through. can it's hear like, me yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a little haunted house it sounds like you have a wooden jaw right. it sounds like you have a wooden jaw yeah um because it's it's one of those things that you have to you know Life is not static. It's dynamic, you know, and we're all connected. I mean, that's the great thing about experimenting with psychedelics is when you can see that we're all connected. Right. It um, literally tears down the connection and your minds are really starting to connect on like this telepathic level, especially when you like went like like us two, like we, we were super fast friends and we had very similar attitudes and curious minds. And I think our minds just when we would do that, I mean, I could remember just sitting out on the 
bench in front of our our um our 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 uh, dorm there just tripping and just playing weird word games with each other that if someone walked up they wouldn't even we were like talking gibberish but like <laughs> yeah. we could understand it and we were doing this back and forth of like how far could the other person take it without like losing it and like if i take it here can then you pick it up and run with it and like do you get where i'm going and like I, and like you don't even know where you're going but you do and then the other person like validates it by picking it up and it's like this weird crazy loop absolutely and i mean i still i don't really you know i don't really need to experiment with those drugs anymore because once you get it you can kind of stop and like you said it's like okay i don't need to do this anymore Mm -hmm. i think i think i've fulfilled my experience so right you know just uh but with that when you experience something like what you're describing because we obviously both experienced it allegedly allegedly (laughs) you you can um you can apply that to the rest of your life of how how you navigate the world and how you look at it and question. And so there is not enough people that do that. You know, right. there's, there's definitely uh, people that talk about it. You can find books on it, but it's not something that you don't always encounter people that have gone on that vision quest and came to the same conclusion and are questioning the same things you are. Yeah. Um, so it makes you stand out and it makes you unique. And then if you can harness that power and some people can't harness the power, and yeah. that's where it gets sad, you yeah. know. Yeah, and people could really go off the rails, um, right. which really matters about your intentions, I believe. Correct. Um, but if you can harness it and you can kind of, you know, ride that and control it a little bit, it's something that is extremely powerful and freeing to look at the world and say, you know, what do I want out of it, and how do I get there? And like, not to turn this into a self help or you know, go crush it kind of like. Oh, that's very much. The, that's very much the theme. <laughs> that's very much in tune with this podcast for sure. It's definitely, <laughs> okay. we 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 talk about buttholes, but then we turn it into inspiration in the end. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, you can really you can really manifest anything you want in this world if you know where you're going. It's not just a wish in the air. It's something that you need to. You kind of need to Babe Ruth it. That's what I call. Where like you point where you're gonna go. You can throw the ball up in the air, and you got to hit the ball. Uh-huh. If you can do all those three things, uh-huh. then I mean, you can really have anything. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is is your own happiness and enjoyment and what gets you excited. You yeah. know, yeah. Like I I geek out on vegetable varieties. Right. Like that's what I like. And systems. Right. I like to understand how the system of how I can increase more production in growing vegetables. And I like eating the vegetables. So it has a positive feedback loop. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what I can, I've created my own little world that that's what the reward is. And I'm that really happy person and totally inspired. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I, I wish humanity, I wish other people could experience that yeah. more often, you know? And so how did, cause you, you, you had a, you had the beginnings of a very successful industrial design career. You were getting attention from like the, you know, the magazines and you are in Brooklyn, you're in the right place and a lot of stuff going on. And then, so what was it that really allowed you to create this vision of just really walking away from that and going to a new place and, you know, starting to, you know, really with no previous experience, start 
be managing an orga- organic farms because now you're you're the manager of 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 pretty good scale organic farming uh operations and this is your you you did one and then you moved on to another one and you've been very successful at both so you know it's it's very unorthodox move so you know what was it that how did you know that you wanted to do that what was the what was the thing that made you just pivot and go wow and create a completely new vision and and go and make that happen well i'm just constantly like reassessing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of worked myself out of the city because I wasn't enjoying the, you know, New York city anymore. I wasn't tapping into the energy like I used to. Mm-hmm. And instead of just like fading out, I was like, let's just get out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm cutting and I'm doing something different. Mm-hmm. So I took an opportunity to do something different, um, in, you know, outside the city mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't agriculture. Uh So when the economy collapsed in 2008, that was like a, a benchmark of like a wake up call. I lost my job and I was like, all right, now you can do anything. You are truly free. Uh And that's where I went into another research mode and said, I just pretty much put my skill sets like, and my values and what I like to do very simply. Like you like to work outside Yes, I do. Do you want to be healthy? I do want to be healthy. You like working with your hands. Do you like being creative? And I just kept circling, pecking, going around, circling until I came to something that was ecology. So I wanted to do something better for the planet. At Mm -hmm. that point, I realized I wanted to do something good for the planet and not just create like landfill waste, you know, product designs, like new toothbrushes with fancy handles that you have to throw out and it goes into the ocean you know, that I didn't want to do that anymore. Right. So I was like, you know, fame, that, that was a lot of fun. You get a taste of it. You know, when I was a designer, it was like, it was a lot of fun to get that recognition. And that was my original goal was make some products, uh-huh. get into magazines, get published by, on you know, in a book, in an art book, uh-huh. which I did. And uh-huh. I was like, all right, chapter done. Uh-huh. What are we doing next? Right. So I looked at what people like to do, you know, I looked at going back to school for ecology and that was like, I didn't want to pay for school. So then I short circuited that and I was like, what do people do when they get, when they graduate from ecology? And then I saw just a small percentage went into organic farming and I was like, I'll try that because I can. Uh And then once I did, I was like, I really liked it the first year. And then I made it a point where I set another goal where I said, I'm going to manage a farm in three years. Uh-huh. And I just studied it. I fell in love with it. And I've been doing it for you know almost 10 years now. So wow. you, can, you can make that shift, you know? And I feel like it's, it sat- satisfies all my creative needs. That's yeah. the best part. So yeah. I still feel like I'm creating. Like I don't even need to necessarily like have an outlet where I go and – paint or make a sculpture or draw uh-huh. um i feel like i'm so immersed into like the world of vegetables and what you can do with that with seed selection and different techniques with um uh, farming uh-huh. that it's it satisfies me completely so that's that's where i'm at you know yeah Wow, that's cool. Because I think a lot of people, you know, struggle with that is just figuring out their calling 
And then, you know, even that, that thing about the pivot, you know, you're in one world and you all of a sudden are realizing, oh man, I don't know if this is aligning with everything that I like, but how the hell do I get out of it? And it's so cool, you know, that, that you're able to just flip and go boom and just really, really stick to all the principles that make you, you, but really find the right place to, uh, uh, you know, get, get really fulfilled by them. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's something that everyone should think about because by the time that you're, you know, retiring and you saved up all your money to retire and you don't really you didn't really enjoy your life and you have regrets and you should have and you could have like what well, that's a wasted life. Like what's the point of that? Yeah. I, you know? Yeah. I mean, your life is right now. You got to be in the present and and as much as you can. I understand there's real world, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices I made to get to the point of where I'm at and what is that? That's an organic farmer. Like, yeah, you obviously people. made, you, well, you, and plus when you start out working on an organic farm and stuff, I mean, you're making very little money too, you know, like, like really little money. You are, and then <coughs> you learn that you can survive on very little money, totally. you know, totally. and, and, and I mean, the other side of it, it is like, I always had a good security net so mm-hmm. that if I wouldn't be homeless, you mm-hmm. know, and like, so I do, I do understand like there are the real struggles of people that, that come from very little money and for those people to even make that leap, it's, it's just not available. So right, right. that, that type of like, you know, a privilege really, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's real that yeah. you can, you can kind of, you can walk this tightrope and if you fall there, there's a security net underneath you. So, right. You mean it, like it you could always you go walk, you mean you like know? you could always go back home and live with your folks. Yeah, that right. or I have I have a college degree, so I, I can rely on that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of things that I could do. Right. Um, so you know, it's it's a balance between the two. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's go back in time a little bit to let's see, what would have been the first Ghost Scout summit? Uh would have been maybe circa two thousand four or 2005 or something like that oh yeah um up on mystery mountain uh where i was building my first cabin the micro barn and i was really first starting to uh test myself and experiment with uh with with homesteading and and building and i was living in a tent uh up in the woods there and starting to construct my first cabin and stuff and um the the origin of the ghost scouts is really that uh that um you and uh fucking luke dubois and uh your buddy mark and um your wife robin and uh and eb and abe who you know were up there already um i'm trying to think are we missing anybody from the first summit no i think that's it that probably would have been that group so you're one of the very first uh you know ghost scouts where you know it was really uh an inside joke about you know where i was up there camping and building my cabin and uh and 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 I just, you know, as, as I was always, you know, in the, in the early days, um, of, of creating my ghost shrimp moniker and my ghost shrimp personality, I would make up all these wacky stories. And, uh, as we were up there, uh, as I was up there camping, I would invite, you know, people all, you know, you guys to come camp with me and, and we'd have some fun. 
And um, we, I started just, that's kind of how I invented the Ghost Scouts, just saying, you know, oh, we're the, we're the secret society of Ghost Scouts. Uh, we live on Goshram Island and we do all this wacky stuff. And, uh, and the first uh, Ghost Scout Summit was up there on Mystery Mountain. And uh, tell me what you remember about the first Ghost Scout Summit. Well, I guess I ought to back up even a little further. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I remember when I first met you, mm-hmm. I was talking about Tom Brown. Yes. I was talking about, like, going back to the land. I didn't even know what the hell I was talking about. Yes, I was you just were talking about, books. no, actually, this is one of my favorite <laughs> things about you, is that your parents allegedly said that if you didn't quit smoking weed, they were going to pull you out of school, and you called their bluff and said, go ahead, pull me out of school. I'm going to go live in the woods if you do that. And I thought that was the most baller move <laughs> the world i was like i fucking love this dude like and you were like yeah i told him i was gonna go live in the fucking woods and be a survivalist if they did that and they're not kicking me out and i was like you're the man dog like that was the best yeah i may have handled the situation a little bit differently now now (laughs) that i I, like idiot 18 year old kids (laughs) yeah who are dropping condom water balloons on people and doing acid so exactly so but yes, uh, I was so into that. That's what I. It was weird that I was even in the city and I was talking about that, and that's what I always wanted to do. Yes. So when we graduated school, and then you know you started say like we started, we were still hanging out, and you were like, "I'm gonna do this." I was like, "Oh my god, like this is amazing!" You know, like mm-hmm. I was now fully invested in the city, yes. and you were doing kind of something what I wanted to do, and it was like this whole, it was like a reversal in a way, but mm-hmm. you know. So heading up to the summit, I mean, I remember going up there with like Converse sneakers and like ripped jeans (laughs) and it rained for like the entire week. It rained for the entire week. I borrowed a pop-up tent from some from a dude that worked at Maxim Magazine. Oh yeah, you had a super designy tent that you would just like throw it in the air and it would. It was pop free. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. free. It was like a test tent. You no, know? I like, thought it was badass. I was like, "Whoa, that's amazing!" Yeah. So I was totally unprepared. It was really my first camping experience. Was that really your first camping trip I've ever? Yes. Oh my gosh, because yeah. I grew up camping. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I didn't. I mean, I talked about wanting to live in the woods, but I had yeah. no idea what I was talking about. Oh, wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I always so, think everybody's grown up camping, but then I realize like almost nobody did. <laughs> no, not it's really. weird. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of the best experiences of my life. And yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. you're up there for, a, I don't know, five days or a week. Yeah. And like... It rained the entire time. Yeah, it like torrentially downpoured almost the whole time. And we like set up some tarps and we had a fire and we just kind of kept it going. And I don't even know what we were really able to do. I think we just kind of chilled under the tent and like, or under the tarps and like cooked food and like smoked weed and just chilled probably. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so that was, that was pretty amazing. Is that when, is that when like Tick Mountain happened? Is that that same time? Or is that another summit? Probably. It could have been. Did you? Did we do like two or three summits? A couple, yeah. Yeah. I just remember one of them where they were, we were just pulling ticks off, off of the yeah, dog. Yeah that, that, yeah, that property just has so many ticks. And if you go to the top of the mountain especially, you'd walk up there and you'd probably have 20 ticks on your legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, por- and the porcupine, that was it. Your dog got into the porcupine. Yeah, that happened a bunch of times. We were pulling porcupine needles out of his mouth, and yeah. there were ticks. We were like in a tick nest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. 
It was horrible. Yeah. But fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the, you know, that was the first official gathering of Ghost Scouts uh, ever, which, which, you know, at the time was just, you know, us fucking around and, and doing our funny thing but you know really had no clue that it was going to transform into something that is very real and very much a part of a lot of people's lives now because since ghost scout training camp we've trained over 50 scouts and they're all over the world now and all this crazy shit as 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 probably a lot of the listeners know so it's so insane that that you know and again coming back to the idea of creating your own reality i always tell people like this was literally like a joke between me and my friends uh, that I created as just like a, as just like a funny marketing thing on the website. Like I'm ghost shrimp and here are the ghost scouts. And this is like, I post pictures of us just like doing wacky shit in the woods. And, uh, and, and you never know, you just get an idea out and you put it out there and organically, it could really become a giant thing in your life and other people's lives. So it's like, you know, creating your own reality, I think really comes from like just having fun with your friends. I think that's one of the most purest forms of really creating your own reality is like just doing like different kind of like funny, productive shit with your friends. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just a cool thing to do. Yeah, man. I mean, you, I always believed you like whenever you said what you were going to do, like yeah. you were, yeah. you were like, I'm going to have a camp. And I was like, Oh, he's going to have a camp. <laughs> I remember before you left for California, yeah. you were like, I'm going to have a kid before I'm 30 years old or something like that. And I was like, you don't even have a girlfriend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then sure enough, I think you, you found, you found, uh, Athena and, yeah. And you had a kid, like yeah. I think, like probably on, like on your thirtieth birthday, right were, there. Yeah, I was, was right around was, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I was like, to have, I thought I'd have a kid by the time I was like twenty-five. That was always like my first goal. <laughs> it was like when I was a, when I was Wolfie's age. When I was like five, I was like, I'm gonna have a kid. Like I was like yeah. so pumped out. I don't know why. It was just like a crazy. I was like my first vision of like I was just like it was gonna be so cool to like have a family and be a dad. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, the power of manifestation, the power of ideas, you know, having that vision. I mean, you have to have that goal to get to know when you find it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I'm always saying I think it, it, it it's not just like you can't like I can't be like I'm going to be a race car driver. Like it's got to make some sense with like your life. Like it made sense. Like I grew up in the woods. I grew up camping. Uh, I didn't grow up like doing yourself like like a do it yourself type of thing. My dad's like a book reader guy. He's not like hunting, building, fishing, like the things that we're into now. Um, you know, but it's like, you know, you just have, I, th- I think it has to, I think when you're figuring out your destiny, it's a mixture of like, of, of, of aligning your future with your past, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then working on it in that present moment, like, like that's, what's interesting though. Although, although like ha- when you think about, you know, to test that theory out, if it applies to you, like, was there any hint that you would end up farming in your in your future like is there any kind of connection to that in your in your in your growing up in your life i mean the the only thing that i was reminded of when i was like in 10th grade a friend said to me that i said to him if i'm ever back in this area or come to like some school reunion i'll be in overalls because i'll be a farmer really like, <laughs> that's so weird what a weird thing to say that's hilarious it is a weird yeah it is i think i was probably just thinking of like having roots you know like right. being in the place where you grew up right uh, 
but I mean, I said it and I was That's reminded so of it. So. Yeah. And I guess like, I mean, you definitely had an infatuation, obviously with the Tom Brown stuff you had, you, you did have a calling. You heard the calling of like, of like the natural world. Yes. Yeah, something nature being immersed in nature yeah. in some way yeah. yeah, outside. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it, it, it all, but no, I, I would have never guessed that's what I would be doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, at the time I went to school, I definitely would never have thought like, I was like, fuck new England. Like, you know, I'm getting out of here. I'm fucking go to New York city. I'm gonna live here forever. Like I was all into like, remember we used to go shopping at like the high fashion, like fucking yellow rap bastard. Like remember we go get like the fly clothes and shit. Like I was all about that. So New York city was like the place to be. Like I was super pumped to be there and thought I was definitely going to be there forever. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit repulsed by like the artist scene, you know, with people yeah. sh- schmoozing, and you yeah. have to like be in, be kind of cool to like get your work, and it's right, kind of political. Right, right. And I was, yeah, and you know, what growing up, like now, I realize you, everyone still does that, just on different, in whatever field you're at, you're still kind of massaging the relationships and schmoozing and right. making connections. But some fields are, it feels more real other ones feel more vapid and right so it's not to take away from the art scene because i still love art and appreciate it very much but you know at that time when you're like in your late 20s that's when like saturn returns that's when like you start to think about um where you're going with your life and i think it happens universally for all people in their late 20s yeah and so that's where you may reject certain things more harshly and, and, and try to open up to get other things that you want in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, for sure. Like I think once I was in the city, I realized very quickly that just the quality of life is so different there. Like if you're used to living, I mean, I was like spent my teenage years in the suburbs. Um, but you know, I grew up in, in very, in a very rural area, much like I live now. Um, in a lot of ways it was, it was, it was more rural cause we had to drive 20 minutes to get to like a store from where I grew up. Like, it, you know, there was nothing in the town that I grew up in. It was very small. Um, but, uh, but yeah, be, you know, being in the city and just realizing like how many people are fucking packed in there and like just the, it has a great energy to it, but then it also comes with like a lot of like just tension and you you can feel the tension and the anxiety of people around you and, and all this stuff that, uh, you know, I think by the time I was done, I just felt like, Oh wow. No, actually like, you know, I, I, I felt called to head back to new England. And then that, that quickly led to, you know, me stepping onto that property that, you know, my, my buddy had and, and, you know, I mean, that I think I think it was less than two years from leaving school to when I started, you know, like like working on that cabin. So it was a pretty quick, pretty quick 180 um, or whatever. What is it? 180? Yeah, 180 um, uh, to from from, you know, being in the city to being in the in the deep woods, living like 
being the only person living on that mountain in that cabin was like a very i think my parents were very shocked they were like you're gonna do what i was like i'm gonna live in this cab probably seemed like the most unorthodox thing like i just gotta you know i just was like living in new york city and you know starting my illustration career and now i'm gonna move into like bumfuck new hampshire and like fucking live alone in the fucking woods in a cabin probably did not seem like a power career move but really did turn out to be that because, you know, I really was able to focus on my career, get my freelance illustration uh, career going really well just on the Internet. Um, you know, I was doing pieces for the New Yorker up there, pieces for the New York Times and and doing my own comics and and doing different stuff and, and really just not having any distractions and, and really just digging into my own shit in like this new way and really like really digging into my own mind and figuring out just exactly, I, I had this keen sense of, you know, uh, and, and, you know, you're talking about this happening in your, at the end of your twenties, I think maybe it even happened to me in my mid twenties, um, where I, I knew that I had a bunch of shit in my head that wasn't me and that didn't need to be there. And I had this intuition that if I went and lived alone on this mountain, it was going to be like my 40 days in the desert. I was going to figure all my shit out. And it was weird. I actually really did. You know, as you know, I kind of really made that plan of like, okay, I'm going like, to yeah. get, get my own land and do this and this and this. And then that, that of course, that completely serendipitous uh, opportunity to go design the world for Adventure Time in a roundabout way happened. And it was just like, you know, living in the fort, living in the woods in a fort with my dog, going out to, to design the world for Adventure Time. It was like the perfect fit you know and i remember you were like you saw the show and you're like dude this is like your fucking cabin like you were just living this like i was like i know dude like it's so crazy yeah well you had a lot of restraint you know you weren't just like jumping at any opportunity you you were able to kind of just have patience and just hold on until the right opportunity that you felt was right come came along yeah and then and then you took it and like that's that's finding the right moment at the right time yeah, that's that's it all lines up. You right. weren't you weren't just like, oh, I'll take that job illustrating for Vogue. You right. know, like yeah, yeah. Being a lot some of people staff we, illustrator. Yeah, exactly. You're like a lot paying of people, for right. rent too expensive. <clears throat> right. You know, like going out partying like you were like, you know, you're pulling some Jedi shit, just kind of holding up in a cabin. Yeah, it was very Jedi. That sharp, was very, sharpening <laughs> your skills. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You're just like training with GI Joes and like freaking <laughs> yourself out, like totally. burning tires, burning poop. I stepped in some burning poop at one point in time. <laughs> we just did like burn a anything. bucket of poop. Yeah, we did burn. I had we. Uh, were you there when AWOL and all those guys came up to Ghost Camp? I was, I was. <laughs> that was the greatest. Was that the first? No, that wasn't the first summit. That was a different summit. That must have been like the second summit. Um, yeah. Actually, on this very podcast, um, uh, um, there is a uh, AWOL is a fan of the podcast coming full circle. And he made a little jingle that we're going to debut. Uh, he made a little ghost shrimp podcast jingle that we're going to debut in this podcast. So full circle. Wow. But, uh, yeah, yes. that's, that's, uh, we, we, we got to hang out with AWOL at one of the summits. They were on tour and they, I'm going to get him on the podcast to talk about it. Cause that was incredible. It was like this, this van full of freaking rappers came up and camped out and they were not prepared to camp at all, but we had a great time. They recorded some songs up up there, and uh, and and we all fucking cooked out and shit. But yeah, they they we set up like this little bucket for them to poop in or whatever, like behind this wood pile. 
and then um and then like just like months and months and months went by and then i remembered it and i went out to dump it out but it was like a shit slurry it was like filled up with water now so it was like a, just a shit soup and uh and and one day i had this big bonfire going and i thought like i don't know what made me think this but i thought like i'm just going to fucking dump this bucket of liquid shit on this bonfire cuz it was like a raging bonfire i'm like it'll just like burn off right away and i <laughs> i dumped it on there and it immediately like doused the fire and it immediately filled <laughs> that whole clearing like it made like a toxic gas like i couldn't even breathe i was like uh, uh, uh. i had to sprint into the cabin and shut the door because like you couldn't even breathe like i think i created like a shit napalm and it like you couldn't breathe the air outside because it was like you were breathing in this like toxic shit like it was so insane and rancid and uh, for a long time i couldn't go outside i was like trapped in the cabin because it was like so fucking rank so uh don't burn uh a liquid bucket of shit if you have other options i should have just dumped it on the ground i don't know what i was thinking but uh, should have composted it you know i know i'm an idiot like i'm the first one to say i'm a total fuck up so i do a lot of dumbass shit it's remarkable that i get anything right really and that that uh that summit was the first time I built a raised bed garden. Oh wow, dude, that's that's true. We built that little that little square foot. It was like a four yeah. by four. Yeah, we did those little. Oh wow, so that's cool. So that was like your first farming experience. That was, and I rolled. <coughs> a, remember, we rolled the tractor tire. We rolled up that. The that was amazing. That was super yeah. fun. And then that time I almost fucking, I remember this was super funny. You were cracking up and I almost fucking probably lost my eye when we were bringing up all these boards. We have this six wheeler. We have the land shark, of course, the <laughs> six wheeler. And we were like bungee cording all these fucking boards because you couldn't drive a car up the mountain to where my first cabin was. So we had this ATV that you would like pile shit onto and then drive it up. And we were bringing all these boards up um to to build the cabin with and we were bunging it on like a couple of fucking morons and we had this bungee super stretched out and i remember you were across the atv from me and like the bungee like like got loose and it whipped around and it hit me directly in the forehead like the metal hook of it like from several feet away like whipped in and hit me and i blacked out for a split second and i saw stars and then I, my vision came back and you were just fucking laughing at me like ah ha 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 <laughs> like, but dude, if that my mom actually knows somebody who fucking got their eye knocked out with bungee, dude, it would have knocked your eye out. It, it would have so... knocked my eye into my brain, dude. Yeah, I mean, you had a giant welt. I, had I a immediately picture had like a golf ball welt on my fucking yeah. forehead from that. Like that was insanity. That was your third eye. Yeah, it was. It was like <laughs> But yeah, and then after that, and then you introduced me to ratchet straps after that because you worked like yeah. a forklift, and you're like, dude, you're an idiot. You need to fucking get on these ratchet straps, and those are definitely the way to go. Now I always see stupid people like tying mattress, <laughs> tying mattresses with twine and shit. I'm like, this guy <laughs> fucking needs to know ratchet straps, dude. You know, <laughs> people don't understand ratchet straps. You know, like they don't know they have to pull that pull the slack out. Yeah. No, you know, they insane. think that you just like put the 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 piece in the 
and just start ratcheting to form this giant ball, and then you can't you it's can't tighten it at all. Just and they're like it doesn't work. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. God. Do yourself a bit. Do yourself a, a, a favor. Go to YouTube and watch a video on ratchet straps, and then carry some in your car at all times because you can like <laughs> if you have a if you have bars on the top of your car, you could ratchet strap like another car to your car and like drive it around. <laughs> like it's they're so good. Yeah. <clears throat> life changer game changer you gotta fucking know about ratchet straps bro yeah um well that's Bunch. cool so that's cool so yeah do you do you feel like uh ghost scouts might have played a role in you becoming an organic farmer yeah i mean definitely uh definitely my friend mark you know yeah. he, he was always he was the gardener guy yeah he, he got me into you know that dialogue farming yeah i think seeing examples of like living sustainably yeah. or living in a cabin off the grid yeah growing your vegetables i mean yeah. the way i look at life is just like how can you develop another skill right like is this is this job going to give you another skill mm-hmm. or what you're reading or what you're studying or what you're doing like you just need like life skills you know and yeah. so if you can start collecting them and experiences too then i mean it, it all ties into one thing yeah I think. so yeah. Um, I think camping, being exposed to it, yeah. you know, yeah. the realities of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all was like if I was going to have my own, you know, garden or farm or, or homestead, like I would need to know how to grow vegetables. So that makes sense. Why don't I go down that road? So yeah. it definitely had a big impact on, on that and like just kind of propped it up. That's awesome. That's very cool. I love it, man. That's dope. Yeah, one of the things that actually that you gave to me that has always had a super profound influence on my thinking was uh, you were the person who introduced me to the Tao Te Ching. You you hit, uh. you hit me to that <laughs> freshman year, and uh, you know I always I carry around a little pocket copy and I always fucking read the Tao because that's somehow just the the philosophy of the Tao, uh, the duality of it, just somehow like makes me perfectly understand what life is about. And that really like, I think set me on a path of, of uh, my version of enlightenment and, uh, and allowed me to make a lot of the unconventional moves and unconventional thinking, uh, that I did. Uh, I think that definitely played a key role in it. So. Oh, that's great to hear, man. I didn't know. Yeah. 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 I, I, I tell people about the Dow. I bought the Dow like probably 10 times and just yeah. given it to people. Mm-hmm. You never know if they actually read it or mm-hmm. they're like, this sounds like Yoda. Like, this yeah. is not like, what is this? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's awesome. I, I love the Dow too. I love the Dow, man. I cannot get enough. I always tell people, check it out. Yeah. You never know if it makes sense to people or not, but I just immediately just click. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like, you can explain things, but you can never explain things. That makes total fucking <laughs> sense. Like, ding. Like, I don't know why. It just makes go every, all of it. It's like, I mean, not, you know, you read some of it and you're like, what the fuck is that? Because it's like, yeah. China, what is that like wooden spoke? Fucking like, million China. years ago in China or whatever. But it's, it's amazing that, that that shit really does come through, that the wisdom of that shit comes through. And, you know, I think it's uh, that that level of thinking is uh, the intangible. I think I think there's the tangible side of life, and then and that's where most people exist, and that's where most people think all of life is. 
and that's the mainstream reality. But then there's the intangible and the, the thing you can never look at and never see and never describe it. To me, that's the that's the shit where that's the subconscious. That's where all the good shit is, and you have to be pulling from there to balance out the tangible and and fucking make your moves. You always have to be drinking from both cups, you know. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. Absolutely. And you know, something like the Tao is like, every time you reread it, you, you'll get something new out of it, mm-hmm. depending on what your current life is like, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. so like every couple of years, I'll just read it and be like, wow, I'm looking at this completely differently. Yeah. And it's only 80 pages where you're, you're just, you're reading the same thing, but yeah. now you're interpreting it differently, means something different. To, you, know, you pull something out of it, even if it's just one page. You could just so, open it to anywhere and just read yeah. it because they're just little fucking proverbs or whatever. Right. These little like, you know, 10 sentence proverbs and shit. And you just read it and you're like, oh, my God, this fucking makes sense. And I think in the beginning <laughs> of the book, it's like no one like you're not even supposed to speak of the Tao. Right. The, the Tao is the Tao. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Tao That's- is nameless. Yes, it is. Yeah, it can never be understood. <laughs> Yet I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you should just have a reading of the Tao as yeah. one of your podcasts. Oh uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> People be like, "Oh man, this guy fucking lost it." Yeah, it'll be like in between like penis butter, like, <laughs> dude, you know, ding dong forehead, <laughs> and then it'll be like reading of the Tao Te Ching. You know, like it will be <laughs> striking. Oh my god. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, we've got an hour 17 in the bank, so uh, we're pretty good here. Um, I thought a powerful way to end would be if uh, you and me try to recreate uh, our song about Hal. Hal, Hal's making out with his sister? <laughs> yes, our platinum hit. Hal's is making Hal, out with his sister. Is Hal going to be next on the on the uh, podcast i don't know i have to talk i've definitely he definitely got to get on here at some point so uh you know his mom is probably next but uh <laughs> but is that uh, because hal's making out with his sister yeah. hal's making out with his sister yeah his mom his, is a probably next probably next hal's making out with his sister hal's making out with his sister and his mom is a problem A fucking football filled with tuna. A fucking football filled with tuna. A baseball filled with tuna. A fucking tuna filled ball filled with tuna. How's my good out the sister? How's my good out the sister? And his mom is probably <sighs> All right, perfect. Uh, now I can call it a football filled with tuna, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> I got to find that song. It's the greatest song yeah. in the world. We made this song in college about our friend Hal making out with his sister, which is horribly inappropriate. <laughs> his sister's like yeah. the same age. Yeah. and uh, But it's a classic, and uh, I just wanted to try to capture it. I thought that would be a nice way to, to cap off the pod. Um, are there, do you have any other, uh, any other things you want to throw in here? Any other memories or thoughts or anything? I mean, just as a disclaimer, everything that was said here was not true. True. It's all very alleged. Allegedly. uh, The football was filled with tuna. Yeah. This is all theater. (laughs) Yes. It's all for (laughs) entertainment purposes only. Yes. So open your minds, people. Open your minds. Fucking sheeple. 
wake up. <laughs> All right, well, we'll click over and uh, and wrap it up. Oops, we did it again. We made a dope pod. That's right, people. That's how we do it. That's another great example of two friends connecting and getting, warming each other's hearts. My heart is fucking blazing like a bonfire right now. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I hope everybody really enjoyed that podcast. I've been saving that one because I knew there'd be a lot of really fun, juicy stories in there for everybody. And uh, also some just great insights into, uh, you know, turning some of the some of the seemingly recreational shenanigans in your life into really, uh, you know, cashing in on them later on. Um, the things you do matter, people. Um, and but yeah, me and my me and my boy tight jeans, we had a real cool influence on each other, and then really turned around and did some unconventional things with our lives, made some unconventional decisions, and uh, really were able to create lives for uh, ourselves that are very fulfilling and unorthodox and uh you know powerful right powerful lives so uh big shout outs to tight jeans for uh coming on the pod and uh spilling out all those alleged goodies um so as always let's set these goals people um you know what i'm saying you got seven days in front of you uh that you can use to make whatever is going on in your life right now uh a little more interesting a little more personal a little more passionate um set a goal for this week to get you a little bit closer to that life that you really want to be living that best life you can imagine really work on that vision figuring out who you really want to be what you really want to be doing and uh you know get a little bit closer this week um that's a great great way to use this podcast is uh as a motivational tool you know what i'm saying and uh, when you're out there doing your thing make sure that you are trying to get other people around you inspired to do the same when you're out there making those dreams come true working those goals figuring out those plans developing those visions you know what I'm saying share it with your friends share it with the people around you so that they can get inspired to do the same thing cuz it truly does catch you know what I'm saying me and my man Tight Jeans definitely have been inspiring each other since we've met and going back and forth he's been one of the most inspirational people to me so uh you know it's very important as we always say to have people in your life that you can check in with and bounce stuff off and look at what they're doing and, oh shit look at what he's doing look at what he's doing <laughs> Um, that's really how it works. So, uh, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it now. And when you're out there working it, just make sure you're getting other people involved too. Um, that's about it. You know what I'm saying? As you know, they don't have to look like you. They don't have to sound like you. They don't have to believe the same things as you. Don't worry about the differences out there in the world. Don't worry about the drama. Don't worry about the conflict. You know what I'm saying? worry about not worry about but think about the connections think about the ways you can connect with people and build those build those similarities you know don't worry about the don't worry about the differences really focus on those similarities so that really 
that inspiration can go all the way around and everybody can get involved and people can be making their lives better. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm sounding a little fucking hokey chokey bedoki right now because my brain's a little burnt after all that good chitter chatter. But I want to get this podcast out to you right away since it's so fucking late. So uh, that's about it for this week. I will be back with at least another podcast this week, if not two. I really want to make it up to you. I know there's been a few that I've missed lately, so I'm going to come back with a vengeance and get some juicy-ass podcasts up in your ear, get some beef jerky for you to snack on, you know what I'm saying? So uh, until then, keep it cool. Peace.